What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys. So I'll make this pitch extremely easy for you. We've got a free $20 to hand to you, which you can use on fantasy sports betting immediately. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20, and you'll get an instant $20 bonus tacked onto that. With the NBA reset season and playoffs underway, fantasy sports and daily betting for the resident NBA junkie has never been this intense and this fun. And when it comes to fantasy betting platforms, make sure to make the right choice and hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for players that makes games super simple and intuitive that even first-time beginners can pick it up instantly. Enter a contest where all you have to do is choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. You're merely dealing with over-under prop bets that each have a point total associated to them based on likelihood of occurring. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. So what are you waiting for? Win some money on the side while you watch the excitement of this year's NBA playoffs. Again, use promo code LEGACY when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Welcome once again to the second episode of our Three Seconds series. The Lakers just went down to the Oklahoma City Thunder, 105-86. to This is the first time in these seeding games that the Lakers haven't led at all. From start to finish, the Lakers looked rusty AF. And you know, no one should be panicking. This was a classic letdown game after the Lakers clinched the number one seed in the West. You could see this coming from a mile away. 
in much the same way that the Lakers had that big win against the Clippers, you could also probably see that letdown against the Toronto Raptors, but even more so the Oklahoma City Thunder, who they probably overlooked. They also have a back-to-back tomorrow against the Houston Rockets. Um, So it's very conceivable that the Lakers were not as focused as they have been entering this game. And yeah, it was just an ugly game overall. I will say that the Lakers' defense held up for much of the first half. They were only down by seven, in spite of the fact that they were extremely, extremely clunky on offense and shot an abysmal 35% from the field and somehow topped how poorly they've been shooting this entire bubble season in Orlando by only hitting five of 37 from three. That's 13.5% from three. Uh, We kept telling ourselves after the Clippers game, after the Toronto game, um, that it can't possibly get any worse than this. Well, guess what? It has gotten worse. The Lakers have somehow shot their worst percentage to date during this Orlando bubble seeding stretch. So you know what? I'm going to stop babbling and get right to my three second helping points. So let's get it started. My first second helping point would have to be the Lakers offense. Uh, Needless to say, the Lakers have been ice cold. Their offense has looked mighty clunky, and they're solely relying on their defense at this point. Does this narrative sound familiar? Well, it should, because that's the exact formula. I don't know if I'd call it a a formula at this point, because the Lakers seem to really be looking rusty. But yeah, as I mentioned, this is the exact formula and recipe the Lakers took to begin their actual season back in October. They were a team that primarily ran on their defense and were fueled by their defense. To begin the season, their offensive rating was in like the bottom third of the league. Their three-point shooting was in the mid to late 20s. And then slowly after the first month or so, they began to creep up and eventually get to top five in offensive efficiency rating and in the mid-teens for three-point percentage. All the while, while being top two in the league in field goal percentage due to the paint points they were getting, and also being tops in transition points as well. The only difference is, we only have four more games till actual playoff games start, and we may be facing the Portland Trailblazers, so probably should get our act together. But again, Frank Vogel may still be experimenting, and we're still just working the rest off. But regardless, the number one thing to point to is, you know, the Lakers are getting good shots, and they just need to shoot better. They're not hitting their wide-open shots. I'm looking at you, Danny Green. I'm looking at you, KCP. Although KCP did hit a three tonight, and Danny Green did hit two threes but they just need to do a better job of knocking down their shots. And maybe we can just attribute this to them working the rust off and maybe they should be actually attending shoot around and holding shoot around in general. But yeah, I'm definitely not panicking and it's very plausible that these first eight seeding games are just a microcosm of the Lakers start of the season last year. And maybe we'll slowly get into a natural groove offensively. But I mean, it is a little bit concerning Um, especially when other teams in the bubble are putting up ridiculous offensive numbers, shooting the lights out from the outside, and we seem to be the only team missing in action in that respect. Um, It doesn't help that LeBron's been a little shaky on offense with his handles, with his passes, with his decision-making. He's gone into these spells where he's just trying to score and is missing wide-open teammates on the perimeter. And I guess it's even more glaring because LeBron typically always makes the right play and right pass, but Not when he gets in these weird zones where he's pressing and trying to prove a point that he can still dominate offensively, which just hasn't been the case. Because LeBron James overall in these 
first four games is only shooting 42% from the field, 29 of 69 to be exact. And again, maybe he's just experimenting, maybe he's just exploring his space right now and things will shift um, come playoff time, but yeah, just something to keep note of. And again, the Lakers' abysmal three-point shooting. They shot 5 of 37 tonight, that's 13.5%. The last game against Utah, they shot 9 of 26, 34%, which is actually, sadly, their best performance throughout this stretch. Against the Raptors, they only shot 10 of 40, 25% from three. Against the Clippers, 11 of 36, 30.6% from three. So hopefully, slowly getting Danny Green on board, slowly getting KCP on board, will just naturally raise our three-point percentage because up until this point, Kyle Kuzma is the only reliable shooter on this team. How things have changed. So yeah, that will naturally help the offense. And then when I transition to my second, second helping point, talking about the starting lineup and the issues there, maybe some tinkering needs to happen in order to just naturally improve the overall offense of this team. Because right now, it, it, it seems sort of aimless. And thank God LeBron James is as good as he is. Thank God Anthony Davis is as good as he is. And thank God that even in spite of his struggles, Deion Waiters can still break a defense down and get to the paint aggressively, get foul calls in his favor. Uh, That's the only thing that went well for Deion Waiters tonight uh, because his shot selection was horrendous. He can't seem to hit an outside shot. But at least, at least Deion Waiters is driving into the paint, being aggressive and forcing the refs to make a call. So... Um, Yeah, so that would be my first second helping of the night. Uh, We're going to take it to break, and when I return, we will get to my second point. All right, we are back, so let's get to my second second helping point of the night, and it's going to be about the Lakers' starting lineup. Yeah, this starting lineup is not clicking. Uh, They're not in sync. They look very disjointed. They are typically always off to really slow starts outside of the Clippers game when we got out to a 35-23 first quarter lead. Every first quarter from there, that starting lineup has always struggled to put up points. And then when the bench comes in, they kind of close the gap a little. And you know, this doesn't just go for the first quarters. It's happening at the start of the third quarters as well with this starting unit, where we continue to just look bogged down and we're like running this slog of an offense and getting off to these slow starts at such integral moments. I mean, we got burned by the Clippers that first game at the start of the third. And then obviously tonight against the Oklahoma City Thunder, we closed the first quarter down eight, 26 to 18, and we could not hit a shot to save our lives. Danny Green and KCP were continuing to break threes. But on top of that, LeBron James and Anthony Davis seem to be disjointed at the beginning of these games and kind of off doing their own things offensively instead of, you know, running some pick and rolls, getting Anthony Davis the ball, going downhill. Even our two superstars have felt a little bit clunky and disconnected at the start of these games, and I can't really pinpoint the exact reasons why. It may be that they just don't have enough spacing right now with JaVale clogging the paint and overall just looking pretty lost and aimless out there on both ends. And then you you top that all off with the fact that KCP and Danny Green, two of our most reliable three-point shooters this whole season, are pretty much fix-it Felix stacking up the bricks left and right and not really making the defense honest, even though they're getting pretty good shots from LeBron James. And that all just compounds together to to make this very clunky clunky lineup of a starting unit. I think it may be time to tinker with maybe inserting Kyle Kuzma, removing KCP, having LeBron James play that de facto point guard, 
put coups at the three and go semi-big, it's really not that different than how we're currently constructed because we do have a big starting lineup with uh, KCP, Danny Green, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and JaVale McGee. But maybe inserting Kyle Kuzma for that extra spacing and shooting in KCP's place may help. Another option would be maybe we go smaller. Put AD at the five right off the bat. Insert Kyle Kuzma or Markeith Morris. Again, just to add a little bit more spacing in place of JaVale McGee. Even if it's Markeith Morris, I know he hasn't been shooting it well from the outside, but just having Markeith Morris in place of JaVale McGee, I feel like may open up the paint a little bit more for, for LeBron James to knife into the lane, for Anthony Davis to have space, for them to have space to run some pick and rolls together. It's interesting that Frank Vogel inserted Quinn Cook when KCP went out after getting hit in the face. I mean, I guess when you look at Quinn Cook's numbers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James throughout the season, he's been very good. And I guess this is the perfect scenario to put him in where he's flanked with all sorts of defenders and all he has to do is space the floor and shoot. Obviously, you saw him get killed a couple times by Chris Paul. I don't know if that's a solution. I just find it interesting that Frank Vogel went with Quinn Cook. Maybe even just doing that little tinker with JaVale McGee may work. But again, I'm not really sure how that'll affect JaVale McGee's already seemingly fragile psyche right now. I felt like JaVale was a lot more active and aware in this game, especially in the second half. But still, I I just don't know if his player profile and player template in this starting lineup necessarily works. Now, if you put him to the bench, again, I I don't know what that means with regards to him and Dwight Howard. Do you just totally phase JaVale McGee out, except for specific matchups with very specific teams who are ultra big? I'm not sure. I don't know what the answer is, and maybe it's just working off the rust and continuing to get through this slog of uh, eight seeding games before the playoffs. And maybe it's just going to take time. But right now, it just seems so clunky. It's not fun to watch at all. I mean, the through line for this team, thankfully, has been that they've been good defensively all throughout, and that that goes for the starting lineup and the bench unit. I saw some, you know, suggestions of maybe inserting Alex Caruso into the starting lineup, and I'm not sure how, how much differently that would make things, because Alex Caruso has not been that great of a spacer either, and it's not like our starting lineup or starting unit is really lacking in defense anyways. And right now, I like the way that Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma are coming off the bench and forming this sort of Hobbs and Shaw dynamic duo thing. They seem to have good chemistry with one another. So look, at the end of the day, you can't have Anthony Davis and LeBron James both out there and continue to struggle as much as the Lakers have offensively to start these first and third quarters off. It's really ridiculous. And for me right now, I pinpoint it all on the spacing or lack thereof. And um, Frank Vogel is going to have to make a decision here. Uh, right now, I'd say, you know, gun to my head, maybe insert Markeith Morris, maybe insert Cal Kuzma. I do not know if that Quinn Cook thing is going to work because JaVale McGee is still out there. So again, I'm not panicking, but something has to change. But maybe you should tinker a little bit before we get to the playoffs and we really find out that this is more than just a trend. So It would be foolish not to take this seriously and just say, you know, we just need to hit our shots. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, Okay, I'm going to take it to one more break. And when we return, we'll get to my last, my third and last second helping point. All right, so we're back. The last thing I want to point out would be the continued growth of both Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma. So I think just in terms of a confidence standpoint and something to be encouraged about is just how much we've seen both Kyle Kuzma and Alex Caruso grow. And the fact that 
during these seeding games, they're continuing to look aggressive. They're continuing to honestly be the backbone of our defense coming off the bench. And they're slowly, at least when it comes to Alex Caruso, slowly starting to gain a groove offensively as well. And tonight against OKC, we saw Alex Caruso continuing to aggressively drive and not be as timid on offense. And you know he's going to bring it on the defensive end most nights, just like Kyle Kuzma. But I think with regards to two of the players that I think a lot of Lakers fans had question marks about in terms of how they would respond in a playoff setting and... You know, we haven't yet reached actual playoff gameplay, but just seeing how they're responding through these first four bubble games, you have to be encouraged and like what you see. Uh, it's actually the veterans who are trying to shake off the rust and and get into a groove. But Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma are already kind of locked in and they're kind of feeding off of their own momentum. And you just have to love that their foundational base point is defense and they're bringing that energy every night. And these are two of our youngest players, you know? The fact that you can look at these two young guys, these question marks coming into the bubble, and already see them having that confidence, playing the game with a certain type of swagger, I mean, that's going to bode well for us once we hit the playoffs. And, you know, Danny Green, KCP, they've been struggling. Dion Waiters has been struggling with his shot as well. Um, but those guys are veterans, and they'll eventually come around. It's guys like Kyle Kuzma and Alex Caruso who you just want to have them put their best foot forward entering these playoff games just so that they can already sort of have that self-fulfilling prophecy sort of deal going on where they know that they can be very serious contributing members to this team. And so far, like I mentioned, they have been so reliable on the defensive end. And it's just honestly really fun to watch these two because they are the last two remaining remnants from the Lakers' young core rebuilding era. And the fact that they could be such pivotal parts and not just off-to-the-side supplementary parts in a potential championship contending run is just really exciting. And that's something that we can take with us from those rebuilding years. It, it wasn't all in vain at the end of the day because look at Kyle Kuzma, look at Alex Caruso, look how much they've grown. So, And even looking at the lineup data, they typically show up in some of the most used lineups. They typically have a very high net rating. This is only in four minutes, but in a lineup containing LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dion Waiters, Alex Caruso, and Kyle Kuzma, they have a 115.6 net rating. That's the third best net rating on this team. Um, and the first two are rarely used lineups, two minutes and one minute each, respectively. And then even if you want to look at a lineup that has a little bit more substance in terms of minutes usage, you'll find Kyle Kuzma and Alex Caruso in that lineup. In a lineup consisting of Anthony Davis, Dion Waiters, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso, and Kyle Kuzma, which has played about 12 minutes through three games, that unit has a net rating of 53.8, an offensive rating of 130.8 as well. And given how much the Lakers have struggled on offense, it's crazy that when you put that group together with Anthony Davis, that they sort of click. And they don't lose a step defensively because Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma are there to shore things up. So, I mean, overall, 
again, I think the, the biggest thing to take away so far is just how much Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma continue to grow individually, but also how they're responding together in sync in these lineups where Frank Vogel is deploying them together. And with how disjointed Anthony Davis and LeBron James have looked together at times, it's kind of cool to see these two young guys uh, just hit it off and click, mainly because of their defense and how hard they're playing and how hard they're hustling and the activity they're giving. But yeah, also... They they obviously probably have a lot to prove and a lot on their shoulders, just being young and wanting to just make sure to prove a point that, you know, don't overlook them just because they're young. So uh, I will leave it at that. Thank you guys once again for listening to Three Seconds. Tomorrow, the Lakers play the Houston Rockets, and that should be a very interesting game to closely monitor because the Houston Rockets are going to play very small. They are a Nestle Water version of the Golden State Warriors with Robert Covington playing at the five and essentially assuming that Draymond Green position. They gave us fits the last time, but I also think that was partially due to the fact that the Lakers didn't take them seriously. And to start that game off, they were just dunking the hell out of the ball and probably took the rest of the game pretty lightly and just thought that because they're so much bigger, they'll eventually get the edge on the Rockets. That wasn't the case, and the Rockets have been playing really well overall uh, since they got Russell Westbrook, and especially to close um, the latter portion of that season before quarantine hit. So it'll be a good test for the Lakers to see what lineups they deploy, whether or not Markeith Morris gets more time, whether or not we see more Anthony Davis at the five like we did against the Utah Jazz. So that will be probably one of the last games in this eating stretch that I think we should pay close attention to just to see how the Lakers respond to extreme small ball and just dynamic scorers and dynamic guards like James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Because as we've seen, it's these scoring small guards that have given us the most problems. Chris Paul tonight, Kyle Lowry. So how will the Lakers contain such explosive guards like James Harden and Russell Westbrook? So uh, we hope to have a post-game episode after tomorrow's game. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, thank you for listening to me in this second edition of the three-second series. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate and review us five stars. Give us feedback on how you're liking these three-second post-game recaps. And yeah, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Lakers Legacy. I plan to have uh, more videos coming out of consolidated offense of certain players in these eight-seeding games, so stay tuned for that. And yeah, patreon.com slash Podcast if you'd like to help us out in any small way financially as well. Uh, and with that said, we will catch you guys next time. And yeah, hopefully the tomorrow's game against the Houston Rockets is littier than this last one against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Also, doesn't Lute Dort sound like a made-up My2K player? I still have no idea who he is, but he starts on the Thunder, and he got a bunch of lucky and ones on us, so that pretty much tells you how the game went. Alright, I'll see you guys later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.